Back at you once again from Backwoods Theology. Happy morning to you, and we're grateful to be back together with you once again, and pray that the Lord has given you a good week this week. Boy, this week, since our last episode we recorded, it just has flown by, and time just goes so very, very quickly. But here we are once again. I uh, hope you got your Bibles and ready to go uh, here on Backwoods Theology. So, Back here with my friends once again. Guys, how are you doing? Doing well. Doing great. Doing well. Doing good. Had some chocolate chip cookies, so I'm happy. Mm. Hey, one of the greatest inventions, chocolate chip cookies. Chocolate chip cookies. Yes. Yes, a lady in our church, uh, my daughters love to bake, and and a lady in our church um, showed my daughters how to bake chocolate chip. They are the best chocolate chip cookies I've ever had. Uh, they are amazing. And so, anyway, you got me thinking about food now. I'm mm. hungry. Well, my daughter started learning how to how to cook. You know, mom's teaching her. And um, the first thing that she has ever made by herself was chocolate chip cookies. Yes, the old staple. And they always know before... I, I'm that guy. I love chocolate chip cookies. But before the chocolate chips are thrown into the cookie batter... It's one giant spoonful comes to dad. Honestly, would you it. rather <laughs> without the chips? Without the chips of the, of the batter. Mm-hmm. I want the, I want the cookie dough without the chips because mm. I like the chips melty, okay, and soft like fresh from the oven. But I want the batter without the chocolate chips because oh. they're always hard and crunchy. I, I don't I don't care for that. I would rather eat the raw dough. Oh, easily than the baked cookie. Yep. Yes. I, now, did your I, I am mother, guilty. I am did guilty. your mother tell you when a child, you can't eat raw eggs, Oh, it's got eggs, the raw die. eggs, you're going to die. I, I, you know, my wife and I have at night made uh, once, once, but cookie dough, and we just sat there and ate the cookie dough. You know Rocky Balboa, the Italian stallion, that's what he ate for breakfast was raw eggs. You ever seen the, sh- the movie Rocky? Of course. Yeah, cause, yeah. But I'm trying to figure out that. His name is Sylvester Stallone. Well, yeah, but it's Rocky Balboa. It's a biopic. Oh, that's right. Right. In Philadelphia, they have a statue. <laughs> they I, have a statue I, of him. And I saw it. I saw with my own eyes him drink like six raw eggs. I also saw the Starship Enterprise go through space, too, with my own eyes. Oh, you're going to tell me that's not real? <laughs> <laughs> And we've, been, we've been to the Star Trek Museum, haven't we, John? <laughs> yes, we have. Yes. <laughs> that was pretty cool. I sat in Captain Kirk's chair. <laughs> yes. So. We have pictures. I have photographic evidence. I can, I can <laughs> prove it. <laughs> that was actually fun. It really was. What, what was interesting, that same day, we went to Fort Ticonderoga, which is huge in the history of this nation. Oh, massive. We George Washington. We went there in the morning, and in the afternoon... We went to the Star Trek museum. Star Trek museum. I'll admit, I'm not a huge Star Trek fan, but I my now I'll preface it by saying this: when we went to Fort Ticonderoga, it was at the height of COVID. I mean, they were being super restrictive about masks, masks, yes. and it was just incredibly annoying. So that really took away from my enjoyment of Fort Ticonderoga. Um, then we went to the Star Trek Museum <laughs> in the afternoon, and I had more fun doing that. Well, I, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Um, there were those of us that got 
asked to leave from we Fort, had to leave from Fort, Fort Ticonderoga, Ticonderoga because, because would, they would not. I mean, put this a mask. is a big now, open mind you, air. I'm saying they. He said we, because he got taken out. I I, I wore my mask. All right, mm. I was that guy. I'm mm. just going to say it. So. Brother Wiley leaves Fort Ticonderoga. I'm still in there, me with a couple other guys, and some of the guys leave. But the same guys who uh, one one major it wasn't Brother Wiley. He he was actually being a help. But the one one person who refuses to wear a mask at Fort Ticonderoga gladly, <laughs> I mean, glad was the first person out of the car gladly wore this mask for four hours walking around Star Trek oh, Museum. <laughs> so it was pretty, that was pretty humorous. It was. I mean, he was the first one out of the car. He would want to make sure, hey, can we all come in? What's the price? And and again, he gets kicked out of Fort Ticonderoga, but gladly wears this mask. And, and what what is interesting as well about this uh, museum where we went, it is owned and operated by a... <laughs> 30-year Elvis impersonator, impersonator in Las Vegas, yes. and he was actually there, Yes, and that was pretty cool. He said he paid for this museum by singing by Love Me Tender sure. in <laughs> Las Vegas, and he still looks the part and everything. Oh, it's and, great. And William Shatner has visited this yes. place and actually told the owner, he said, Captain Kirk would never wear a mask. So the only place in this whole museum you could take your mask off is if you sat in Kirk's chair. Hmm. And we got to take our mask off sitting in Kirk's chair. And um, so I thought that was interesting hmm. that William Shatner said, and he said, because this is my chair, this is Kirk's chair. He said, James T. Kirk would not wear a mask. So, which he wouldn't. Neither would George Washington. Truth be told, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. So we were able to take a mask off sitting in James T. Kirk's Man, chair. Such brave. Such brave souls. Yes. See, all of the fans, I don't know whether we've just lost fans of Backwoods Theology because of this. is like counter. Because of this. I mean, th this is not, never mind. Well, we're just talking about our lives. You know, that's part of the fun of a podcast is you can, yeah. you know, talk about funny things. And Do you guys I ever watch the show alone? Never even heard of oh, it. Oh, you should watch I've it. I've seen Star Trek. Man, Alone. <laughs> I'll just make a plug for the show Alone. It's, so it's a History Channel show. Mm -hmm. We have Discovery Plus, uh, which is a subscription to something you watch on a television. Okay. Right? <laughs> I'm sure uh, we have one of those. We hide it so people don't know we have it. Uh, but Discovery Plus. My friend Samsung. Uh, yes, right? <laughs> the Hellavision. Yes. <laughs> So the premise of the show is they drop 10 participants um, in a environment. Sometimes it's Canada. It's been Patagonia. Um, but basically they, they have – these are people that are survival experts, but they're amateur in a sense. They don't do it for a living. Some of them do, but some are just regular people who could live in Warren, Maine. You know what I mean? And they, uh, <clears throat> the last one standing wins half a million dollars. So like season two, the guy that won was from Appleton, Maine. Wow. And the most recent, most recent season we've watched, which is season eight, there was a woman from Cherryfield, Maine, who was on it for a while. But these are people from all over so, the place. So you said it's called Alone, and yep. there's these people. So they have, they send them in, they drop them off, always near water, like on a lake or something. And they can have, they can pick up to 10 items to have with them. So... One, you know, sometimes they'll have a bow. Um, 
snaring wire, hmm. all these different things. And the goal is to survive, to last as long as you can. It is incredible. Uh, some of these people and their skill set and their ability to survive. Because the climate, in, invariably, they drop them off in the fall, wherever it is. It's, it's about to get cold. Because if you drop them off in springtime, they, some people could go forever. Yeah. But yeah. they drop them off at the end of summer, fall. And most of them, it's like 70 to 90 days is by the time the last person, th- that second to last person taps, and then you have your winner. They lose a ton of weight. Um, some of them get pulled for medical reasons. You know, they have every week they have a, a team come and check their vitals. And if they don't pass certain tests, they pull them. But it is, like, I'm not a reality show guy, never was, but this is one that's worth watching. That's cool. It's, Yeah. We watched one for years called Top Shot. Okay. Which, that's a cool one. Okay. Which it legitimately is men shooting guns at targets. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And they pulled that one for obvious reasons because, you know, guns are evil. Mm. But, no, they pull out bazookas, machine guns. They have different things they have to do, and it reminds me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not that's the same, but it, I don't like reality television either. But it was set up kind of like that you had teams and and the last surviving guy it's really really neat if they keep doing this show eventually somebody is going to die yeah like it is going because when they tap out they give them a radio that if they're done they've got to call and say i'm officially tapping out and it but still it's going to be a while before that team can get to you and ex- get you out of wherever you are. Hmm. So they they have cameras that they've got to wear. So there's no camera team with them. They have to do their own cameras. They're like GoPros? Yep, okay. exactly. Okay. And some of them, like the most recent season eight, like there's a ton of grizzly bear sightings. So this guy kills a deer, shoots a deer with his bow, and he's got to get that meat, get the deer processed and the meat secure, knowing that, okay, bears are going to pick up on the scent. And and they do like he'll, he gets up one morning and there's tracks all around where his they they got to build their own cabin yeah yeah you know, it's it's wild or anyway, lean to I, I, obviously we don't endorse every single thing if you watch alone <laughs> and something bad happens don't blame James Wiley and don't blame Josh Lovelace blame, blame Chad, Chad Colburn, Colburn. For backwoods fine. theology, right? <laughs> Absolutely, you heard it here. <laughs> Sorry, this is this is not even a. That's not the point of the podcast. We will accept paid advertisements if you have a TV show that you would like. Yes. promoted here on Backwoods Theology. <laughs> Just give us a call. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> what are we going to talk about today, guys? Besides TV shows, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. What'd you learn about in Sunday school? We learned about the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) What'd you learn about Jesus? (laughs) (laughs) The gospel. Well, what Brother Chad's referring to is in our last episode, uh, it was mentioned that um, there is, well, I believe that there's more than one gospel given uh, in the scriptures, and uh, so we just wanted to do an episode to talk about that. So that there's no, um, you know, concern about, oh, I, I thought we only had one gospel. Well, in this age, yes, according to the book of Galatians, um, anyone who preaches, whether it be a man or an angel, any other gospel, let him be accursed, the Bible says. Um, the Bible says in Hebrews that there are mo- there's more than one baptism, 
You know, it says of the doctrine of baptisms, plural, in the book of Hebrews. And so uh, there's more than one baptism uh, listed for us in the scriptures. If there's not, then there's a typo. I think it's Hebrews 6.2, I think. Um, there's a typo there. But there's more than one baptism. I think we might have mentioned that on a previous episode. Um, but I do believe that there are, we mentioned the gospel in the last podcast a little bit, and I think it was brought up, well, which gospel is this referring to? And so um, so that's what the premise of this episode is is going to be. So I don't know who wants to start off, but... Can I, um, can I start off? Because I'd like to um, define... Okay. So Luke 4. Luke 4. Verse number 18. We have the word gospel. I, I like to use the Bible to define words. Um, Luke four seventeen. This is Christ um, in the synagogue in Nazareth. The Bible says, And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. To the poor, he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. So, he reads the book of Isaiah. He says that in verse number 17. He reads and says, as he's reading, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. If you go to Isaiah 61, where he is reading this, because the Bible says he found the place where it was written. So he's doing exactly what we're doing, turning in our Bibles to Isaiah 61. He reads verse 1, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Whereas in Luke 4, it says to preach the gospel. In Isaiah 61, it says to preach good tidings. I believe scripture right there has defined for us what the word gospel means. Can I add something? Yes, sir. It is not just that you like to use that method, but because that is a scriptural method. It is the method biblical method. That yes. is comparing spiritual things with spiritual from 1 Corinthians 2. That's yes. how the Holy Ghost teaches by us comparing spiritual things to spiritual. That's right. Which that's the word of God. That's right. Yeah. You, you can you can define words in scripture with scripture. You don't need a dictionary. Okay. Well, what about the one time the words are used? I'm not going down that road right now. I'm just saying this is a great in understanding doctrine. Yes. In understanding terms, the best practice is is let the scripture practice. So the Bible just defined for us that gospel means good tidings. And so we don't have to question what does what does gospel mean? Now, before um, we get into what the gospel means to the church or to whoever, what do you know what I mean? Just by definition, sure. it means good tidings. I like Bible definitions. So, Which you can also compare that to Luke 2, where the angels came, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Well, that's the word gospel. Mm-hmm. And um, so, anyway, I wanted to... So the importance of that... Though, I want to come out swinging, Chad. Well, the importance <laughs> of that, right, is that gospel doesn't 
is not the same as the word salvation. That's good. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. So we want to... Sure. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the word gospel is used, I think I looked it up like 90 sometimes in the Bible, mm. I believe. Uh, the book where it is used the most, and I do believe it is the theme of the book of Romans, it is used more in Romans, I believe, than any other book, uh, the word gospel. In Romans chapter 1, it four times the word gospel appears just in the first chapter alone. And um, But the reason, I, I think a good place to start, I, I, I just preached on this on Sunday, is a reference that Paul makes in Romans 16. I'm about ready to wrap up the book of Romans. And the Apostle Paul says this. He says in Romans 16 and verse 25, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to, and then Paul uses this phrase, which no, John does not use this phrase, Peter does not use this phrase, and that is the phrase, my gospel, my gospel. And Paul, on two other occasions, three times in his epistles, he uses those two words, my gospel. And um, that's very, very important as we understand, because um, again, why does Peter not use that? Why does John not use that? Why does only Paul use the term my gospel? And the answer is, it is because the gospel which Paul preached that is the only gospel he ever preached. Because you remember, he was converted after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. John and Peter, I don't believe, they could not use the phrase, my gospel, because they preached another gospel besides the New Testament gospel, which you and I preach. Now, Brother Josh just defined the word gospel very accurately with Isaiah 61, should we define Paul's phrase, my gospel? We would go to 1 Corinthians 15, would we not? Is there Paul defines the gospel, which according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is verses 1 through 4 is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that mm -hmm. is his gospel. It is the one that he believed, um, which in verse 3 he says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. So this is something that Paul himself has received. So to define Paul's phrase, my gospel, um, I would take someone to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, to define scripturally what Paul's gospel was and what he preached. Um, so a good question is, when Jesus in Luke chapter 4 uses the word gospel, mm -hmm. does do the people he's preaching to, do they think that he is preaching about his death, his burial, and his resurrection. 
And the answer to that question is no. No, 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 of course not. Because he is preaching unto them the gospel of the kingdom. Correct. Which is different than Paul's my gospel. If you, I mean, just simply, verse 19 of Luke 4, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, verse 20, and he closed the book. If you go read... Yeah, he stopped mid-verse. He stopped in the middle of a verse. Now, I was told as a pastor, uh, when I was in college, when I learned how to preach... We did learn. Air quotes. Um, don't ever stop mid, mid-verse, mid brother. You 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 make sure you do the complete, you know, don't ever stop middle of a verse. Well, Jesus just did. <laughs> right. So um, he stopped in the middle of verse 2 of Isaiah 61. And the reason being is because the rest of verse 2... And Isaiah 61 is going to be about the kingdom. Um, but anyway, I just, I, I wanted to kind he of piggyback what on what you were saying. to them right then. At the moment, yes. Which was his first coming. Yes. If he had continued of verse 2 of chapter 61, it then goes into his second, second coming. coming. So he stopped at the pertinent time for them. But he stopped mid-verse. I thought that was wrong. <laughs> Well, <clears throat> I find what is interesting, uh, again, is that the first to preach the gospel of the kingdom was not Christ. The first to preach the gospel of the kingdom was not the apostles. That's right. It was the one who was sent from God, whose name was John. He was the first. He preached the gospel of the kingdom before Jesus did. And it's actually defined for us. In Matthew chapter 3, you don't even have to leave the book of Matthew to see the progression of the preaching. So the first gospel I thought that would be good for us to talk about is the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. Chronologically, um, that is the first in, in the New Testament. That is the first. And when I say New Testament, again, understanding the New Testament doesn't come about to the death of the testator. Hebrews 9. So as we're reading in Matthew 3, this is still Old Testament time in Matthew 3. <laughs> I'm thinking like, for, I'm looking for a word, Old Testament theologically, but time. Yeah. Old Testament time. time. The Bible says, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea saying and saying, and here's the gospel of the kingdom. And we know that because the next chapter, it actually says gospel of the kingdom. Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the gospel of the kingdom. You and I don't preach that. You and I don't preach that in our churches. Uh, If you go to Matthew 4, so you see the first to be preaching the gospel of the kingdom is John. Jesus does not begin preaching it until after his temptation, Mm -hmm. after his baptism, after his temptation. You'll notice in Matthew 4, verse 17, the Bible says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so um, Christ here begins to preach that. And then it's in Matthew 10 where the apostles are sent out preaching the kingdom of heaven. Verse 23 of Matthew 4. 
And yes. Jesus, Jesus went about all Galilee teaching yes. in their synagogues. That's what I was looking for. And preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom, which I believe is identified in verse 17, mm-hmm. that that is what the gospel of the kingdom is. So was he looking ahead to Calvary as we've learned our whole lives? Now, oh, I'm sorry. Well, okay. In terms of who his target audience is for that gospel, he very clearly lays out that it's Israel. Oh, uh, yes. Right, right. Matthew, or this is Luke, actually. Luke, Matthew 15, rather. Matthew 15, 24. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Yes. So even as a, a, a Gentile woman is coming unto the Lord, he specifically says, I'm sent unto the lost sheep of Israel. So he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom to Israel specifically. Because... Okay, piggybacking on your point, Matthew 10, when he sends them out two by two, he says, these 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, go not into the way of the Gentiles. Yes. And into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. The message that I am sending, okay, I'm going to use bad grammar here. The message (laughs) that I am sending with you is not for the Gentiles, it is not for the Samaritans. Verse 6, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as ye go, preach, saying, same message, kingdom of heaven is at hand. This gospel that John, Jesus, notice Jesus, and he went to the synagogues. He, he isn't going into the way of the Gentiles. And then Matthew 10, they are specifically commanded that's right. To not go to the Gentiles, don't even go to the half-breeds, the Samaritans, which goes against the gospel. You should be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the very place the where... The part of the earth. Right. Yeah. Right, 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 right. So, the very place that he said not to go in Matthew 10, but then he says in Acts 1 to go. So how could this be the same gospel as what you and I preach if not only the message is different... The audience is different. We don't have to. Um, the the listener can go back in our in our episode archives and find we have discussed <laughs> archives. Yeah, episode archives. We yes, have, into the and dusty <laughs> dungeon of the archives. <laughs> we have discussed, I believe, in detail the kingdoms. Yeah, the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Um, the kingdom of heaven is found only in Matthew, and that is the physical kingdom for the nation of Israel. Um, so when we were talking the gospel of the kingdom, repent for the kingdom of heaven, I just wanted to remind the listener what that's about. Um, again, what book of scripture are we in? We're in Matthew. The kingdom gospel. The kingdom gospel right. presents Christ as king of the Jews. Not king of the world, which he is and will be, but this is a representation of Christ as king of the Jews. So I just wanted to. And we see this gospel is thing. not for all men, like our gospel is. So, into, so the whole division of kingdoms, Acts 1 does show that. So you quoted Acts 1 8, in which Jesus has just spent 40 days teaching them, speaking to them of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And yet their question is in verse 6, 
wilt thou again at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? The kingdom of heaven. Right? So then he, then he says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons, which we talked about mm-hmm. uh, previously, which the Father hath put in his own power, but... Okay, that's an adversative but. Remember we mm-hmm. learned about adversative buts? <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> Do you know some adversative buts? Okay. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So the commission, the great commission, if yes. you will. There's totally a division between the two that uh, he's speaking of. Absolutely. Because they had, at that point, he has spent 40 days. Um, I used to preach... And teach that Acts 1, you know, the disciples are dumb. They weren't getting it. You know, he's, he spoke for 40 days to them. And they're like, when are you going to get the Israel kingdom back? I believe they got it. I think it's great that when you're de- demonstrating ignorance, yeah. you use a southern accent. I know. I know. <laughs> well, there's never mind. Sorry. There goes all of our southern <laughs> yeah. It's been nice having you yeah. here backwards. <laughs> now, we've never done that. We would never do that. <sighs> anyway, but, and, but they, you know... Well, the disciples, they're just so stupid. They didn't get it. I believe they did. Um, they did get the kingdom of God. And because, I mean, they're listening to God. Can you imagine you have a class with Christ for 40 days? You know what I mean? And he talks to you about nothing other than the kingdom of God. I mean, that that's so theologically sound. You know what I mean? They're, they're not walking away going, what? I believe they got it. And I believe now they're saying, okay, we got it. Are you going to restore again the kingdom of Israel? And because if you look uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you know, sometimes referred to as the greatest sermon ever preached, or the Sermon on the Mount. And, um, but the whole sermon is all kingdom-based, very kingdom of heaven oriented. Um, but what does he say in Matthew 6? He tells the Israel to seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added. On, all these things will be the kingdom of heaven. So I believe the disciples are saying, we are fulfilling what you said in Matthew 6. We have sought first the kingdom of God. And um, so anyway, that's what I believe is happening in Acts 1, is that the disciples got it. and um, But then Christ lets them know, hey, you're going to take this kingdom of God and you're going to be witnesses unto me. So I I, I kind of rabbit trailed there for a second. So I, I think we're on. also very hard on the disciples. The we Bible are. teaches us very clearly that Jews walk by sight. Hmm. And so Christ is teaching them of the kingdom of God, which is walk by faith. That which you cannot Which is see. why that's, that was a stumbling block to the Jews. It was such Jews. a stumbling, because it, it goes against their very nature and who they are. Well, and also how God has dealt with them in the past. He used... Sight. Sight. It used um, visions and used miracles in his dealings with them. So and it, it's hard. That's why he physically came unto them, yes. so that they could see him and touch yes. him. Right. But now they are to live by faith and not by sight. And for a Jew, that is completely against their nature. So I think we're you know, overly hard on them because of that, that... Um, but we have this distinction here and this gospel of the kingdom that John is preaching, that Jesus is preaching, that, that the Jesus, disciples are preaching. That Jesus mentions, and I believe we referenced this in the last episode, but Jesus mentioned it in Matthew 24, a time during the tribulation, 
not a time during the church age, um, but Matthew 24, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. And that's a reference to the gospel of the kingdom, the national repentance of Israel. Um, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, And ye being plural. So... So I think you made the case there's two Gospels. At least. Right? At, at least, this point. at least, right. Now, before we continue, what do we then do? You know, because I'm sure through some of the listeners' minds, the book of Galatians is I was going to say, I think we should Paul's discuss Galatians let they, 1. Let it be a curse. Yeah. Why don't you take it away, Josh? Galatians 1. Verse, uh, let's see here. Let's begin verse 6. Galatians 1, 6, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed." As we said before, so say, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. So that would be the, the context, or the verses rather, where somebody who is listening and we're saying, oh, there's more than one gospel. Well, well what's going on here in Galatians 1? So I think for me, it, it revolves around the word preach, where it says, um, preach any other gospel. The proclamation uh, of this gospel, that I think is the issue. It's not, the, it's not um, that there isn't more than one gospel, it's the preaching of that gospel to be given at a certain time. If that, if that, I'm, I'm stumbling over my words, but I'm, I'm hoping I'm coming across making sense. Well, what stands out to me in verse number seven is would pervert the gospel of Christ. This is true. By there, it's just, it's, you have the gospel of the kingdom, and then you have the gospel of Christ. Christ. So Christ isn't a kingdom. Kingdom isn't Christ. Mm. Um, the kingdom is that which Christ is going to bring. That's right. But Paul is speaking specifically of the gospel of Christ. That which, we are told to preach. Correct. Which we are preaching... In this age, because we right. have to remember, again, what is our theme of this podcast is, you know, right Bible, right division, right interpretation. Okay, we have to understand that the time in which Paul is preaching and the time which John the Baptist was preaching are two different ages. That's right. They're two different times. So Paul is right to say... In this age, if any other gospel is preached, let him him be be accursed. So the gospel for this age is the gospel of Christ, of this age. But it was not the gospel of the previous age. Which is 1 Corinthians 15, the gospel of this age. The gospel of this age is 1 Corinthians 15. And Paul is correct in saying, if anyone during this age preaches anything different, let him be accursed. Well, back when John was preaching, there was not the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And by the way, 
John was preaching the gospel of the kingdom before Christ was even baptized, mm-hmm. before he was mm-hmm. tempted. He was preaching the gospel of the kingdom even before Jesus was preaching it. <laughs> well, you you brought up baptism, so... <laughs> I mean, you, ha- you have to look at... Okay, did John the Baptist just show up out of the blue, or was he promised to come in within the Old Testament? He was he was promised. It was he was the voice crying in the wilderness. So everything we should expect Jesus to be Jewish. We should expect John the Baptist to be Jewish to to preach according to the revelation that's been given to them and the promise of the promise of a king who would sit upon the throne of his father David forever. Like it shouldn't be weird for us, you know, to expect those things. And then when that's called the gospel, okay. All right, but then when Paul, you're right, says that my gospel, you know, my is a divisive word. You know, I've got a bottle of water sitting here. If Josh were to grab that and try to to drink that, uh, I would let him probably. But um, if or we're a I'm cup told of coffee, to, I'm told to hold your pen. Right. Yep. I'm not sure what episode that was, but yeah. my <laughs> is a dividing word, isn't it? That's right. It separates that. So if if we're talking about right division and Paul says my, he's making a division between the gospel that he is preaching, the good tidings that he is preaching in his time. I think it's also 1 Corinthians 9. He talks about a dispensation of the gospel that has been committed unto me. Um, is that 1 Corinthians 9? Where he says, if I preach it you know, unwillingly, yet a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. So 1 Corinthians 9... And you might say, well, that doesn't apply. Maybe. Um, I'm looking at verse number, yeah, verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 9. I'll start reading in verse 16, I guess. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, okay, so even if I do it against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. So something was committed unto Paul that he understood to be very unique. Yes. Because hmm. I, I connect that to Romans 11, where the Apostle Paul says, um, For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. Which, it doesn't say I am an apostle. He says I am the apostle of the Gentiles. So even, okay, if a person pushes back and says, well, what about the Jews? Well, understand, in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free, barbarian nor Scythian. Ephesians 2? Yeah, and Galatians 2. Galatians as well. As well, He makes that same argument. So it's the body of Christ versus the kingdom of Israel um, distinction there. So I don't believe John the Baptist ever preached the gospel that you and I preach. He never, he did not survive so until the death burial. He makes a Christ. prophetic statement in John one, where he says, "Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world." So he understands something enough about Jesus Christ to know that as a Lamb, he is here to take away sin. Um, but you know, I think it's worth noting that even as a prophet speaks prophetically, 
I don't think they have to understand what they're speaking prophetically. Agreed. Because they're simply... Sure. Right. Daniel, Daniel didn't understand right. what he was writing. Right. Though. So whether John the Baptist understood directly what he was saying or the fulfillment of it, he said it. Um, well, the Bible identifies him not only as the forerunner and the one who's prepared the way, but he's also the last Old Testament prophet. John the Baptist knew who he was as far as his role. You know what I mean? He wasn't just out preaching one day and it was all, you know, hey, Christ is here. I guess I was the forerunner. <laughs> you know, Shazam. He, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he knew his role. I mean, you look at uh, Luke 3, Luke 2, Luke 1. There it is. And Zacharias, his dad, makes a reference to the fact that that, I mean, so John the Baptist's where, own dad knew. Right. And what John the Baptist didn't know were the mysteries. Yes. That were committed unto Paul. The mystery yes. of the church, the mystery of the body of Christ, the mystery of iniquity. All those seven mysteries, he did not know those things because they were mysteries. They were mysteries. So John the Baptist wouldn't have known about the church as we understand it today. Agreed. Because it was a mystery. He wasn't out in the wilderness soul winning. Hey, man, he was knocking on doors. <laughs> Sorry. Think he was knocking on doors <laughs> in the wilderness. <laughs> oh, Sorry. Yes. <laughs> Once again, Once your again. go-to accent. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's interesting is just as we've been studying this, because, um, you know, I believe we have the gospel of the kingdom, which was first preached by a prophet, um, which the prophet is the... You know, the prophet is the symbol, so to speak, of the Old Testament, where the New Testament, the symbol, so to speak, is the apostle. Um, so you have the okay, apostles yeah. who are preaching. Some preach both. The apostle Paul only preached one um, because of when his conversion was. But you have those other apostles, which, according to Acts 10, preach the gospel of the kingdom but then, I think, Brother Chad, you brought up Acts 1 is a great chapter to show, okay, he was teaching them of the kingdom of God, which is the New Testament, which is the new birth. Their focus was on the promise given unto Israel. But what Christ is saying, it is not for you to know the times nor the seasons, so it is for you to preach now. They had been preaching the gospel of the kingdom, but now they are to be busy about preaching what Paul would call his gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see a difference. But they're still preaching which, it to Israel, right? And until the preaching of Stephen, like they could have responded to, the, to that gospel. Well, right? in... Well, when Christ commands in Mark 16, where it says, preach the gospel to every, every creature. creature, is he speaking, he's obviously, you know, was that command for them for that day? Or, because the keys were given to Peter, according to Matthew 16. Right. Yes. The keys to the kingdom were given to him. And he's the one who first preached to the Jew and to the Gentile. But you don't see... You don't see them preaching to Samaria, well, really to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth until 
at Jerusalem, there is the rejection of after Acts the 7. kingdom after Acts 7. Because they're all in Jerusalem at that time. And then, after that, after that blasphemy of the Holy Ghost... What's Acts yeah. 8? Philip goes to right. Samaria. Right. Now they're... Now it's Judea. Or the wilderness. Well, no, he went to Samaria first, actually. Right. Yeah. Then he go to Samaria. And, and then, then he, the, the wilderness. Eunuch in the wilderness. Yep. And also, it, it's Stephen Stoning were introduced to the apostles, Apostle to Paul. the right. Gentile. Right. And, and then in Acts 10, Peter preaches to Cornelius... And what's interesting, I was just reading through it very quickly because um, we were talking about the gospel of the kingdom. You read in verse um, 36 and following in Acts 10, what's preached to Cornelius is not kingdom. What's right. preached to Cornelius is his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And they believed, and the Holy Ghost was given to them. And that's why all the Jews who were with Peter at the time are shock and awe. I can't believe these guys got the Holy Ghost. What in the world? Um, because that's the whole point of Acts is that beautiful transition after Acts 7 from the lost sheep of the house of Israel to the body of Christ. I think to Brother Chad's point as well, when you read Acts 2 and Acts 3, Peter is not preaching the gospel that you and I preach. Not till Acts 10. Right. <clears throat> so he is still preaching the kingdom in Acts 2, which is why the Charismatics, Acts 2.38, they get all out of whack, mm -hmm. because Peter is preaching that's kingdom doctrine there. That's not New Testament doctrine that you and I preach. Um, I mean... When you and I got saved, Jesus didn't physically come. No. Which is what he is preaching, what, in Acts, Acts 2? He, he references the prophet Joel, and he says, in the last days saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. None of this is happening at the right. day of Pentecost. The point that I'm making is, even though that this is in the church age, this does not set precedent for the church today. Hmm. You know, Philip the Evangelist had daughters who were prophesying. Yes. Okay, so does that set doctrine for the church today? Because we read of that in the book of Acts. That is just a fulfillment for the Jew that your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Those are signs unto the Jew. But yet we take it that it is precedent for the church. Well, would you agree that's that's where a lot of heretical teaching comes from, is we're grabbing that and making yes. it specifically from the book of Acts and making it church doctrine when Acts is not given to us for church doctrine. Correct. So it's a it's a narrative giving yes. us the to to deny that Acts is a transitional book, you're just, you know, well, you just don't turn on and off a light switch. Yeah, and um, so we have well that. because again, <laughs> I almost did it. I won't and, do it anyway. And even in Acts, was there not contention? Yes. Once the Jew and the Gentile were together, did not Paul and Peter have contention over circumcision? Yes. I mean, it didn't come without contention. Right. Because you go read in, you know, Timothy, because you have, or Second Timothy, well, all scriptures give inspiration to God. So, and it's profitable for doctrine. So I can read and get doctrine out of Acts. Well, I can get doctrine out of Acts, but I'm not going to get doctrine for the church. So, because all doctrine means is teaching. Right. And um, right. Acts is not an epistle. That's right. Epistle is unto the church, where that That's gives right. us our precedent, our manner in which we should 
you know, I hate to use the word govern, but oversee the church, mm. oversee the flock of God. And you know, really, there's there's benefit just talking about you know about doctrine and division. There is the part of the profit of teaching the difference between Israel and the church helps us to understand who we are. You know, the whole Sesame Street song, one of these things is not like the other, right? Is that is it Sesame Street? It is. Okay, good. It oh, can be. Man. Yeah, we it know is. we and, know our culture. And, and you laugh at me, but you're, yeah. you're referencing Sesame Street. Sorry, so. my bad. <laughs> the so deep things of God on Sesame did, Street. Right. <laughs> why does it matter that we know anything about Israel? Well, because that helps us understand, in a sense, what we're not. That's good. What's not for well, us? Well, the things written us. aforetime were written for our learning. Right. Mm-hmm. They're there for our, they're not written about us. They're written for our learning. Mm-hmm. Yep. And let's be honest. Um, that opens the door. That's why some of the greatest heretical teachings are because we're grabbing things that aren't for us. Or, I'm of, sorry. To out us. of context. Out of context. Mm-hmm. Acts. Mm-hmm. Hebrews. Well, by definition. What is a Hebrew? I was at a meeting one time where I was the guest preacher, and I said, and of course the book of Hebrews is written too, and like all these preachers are like, the church! And I'm like, gets to the Hebrews, right? And I'm, like, <laughs> Which is, I'm just going to keep moving. You know, I'll hear, you know, well, it's never referenced, I believe Paul's a writer of Hebrews. I don't believe Paul is the author of Hebrews. Well, God's the author. But, right. you know, I don't believe Hebrews is an epistle by the Apostle it's Paul. Like, what difference does that make? Because Paul's an apostle to the Gentiles. Hebrews is written to Hebrews. Sure. Um, James to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. So you go grab James and Hebrews and Acts, and you're going to get, can I say the word different? You're going to build a house of doctrine that you're not supposed to be living in. Yes. You're going to get different doctrine, different teaching than what the epistles of the Apostle Paul Mm -hmm. has written out. Mm -hmm. Um, And why? Well, because they're not written to us. Can we get church practice or principles from Hebrews and James? Of course we can. But be careful when we start saying church doctrine. If that does that make sense? Sure. Um, I mean James, great verse. We should be here we should be doers of the word, not hearers only. Isn't that a good that's a good verse. That's, that's like a, a principle that applies to anybody. That's right. That's yeah. my point. That verse can be given to us in Exodus and it applies to us. Uh, applicable to us. So um, be careful, I guess, because those books, I believe, are the great three books that lead to some of the charismatic Hebrews 6. Can a person lose their salvation? You're going to jump to Hebrews 6. Hebrews, uh, baptismal regeneration, Acts 2. We're, We're grabbing things that aren't necessarily written to the church. So I just wanted to rant. Rant. Mm. I apologize. That's great. (laughs) It's very good. I mean, we don't preach the gospel of the kingdom. No. We don't preach that because we're in the age where we are to preach the New Testament gospel. And um, here's what was interesting, a third one, which now I'm not so sure is an actual third one. And I'd referenced it because of because Matthew of twenty four. Yeah, I was thinking okay. the same thing. The, um, whole, um, the whole this gospel, right? Yeah, the Be- Revelation fourteen, the everlasting gospel. I thought was its own message for that. Can age. I say something very quickly? Sure. I thought they were the same. 
everlasting gospel and the gospel of the kingdom. I thought those were the same gospel. I thought they were different. Oh, I did not know that. I thought they were different, but the Matthew 24 reference. It's a tribulation passage. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and God's dealing with Israel again in the tribulation. So what we're referencing, the everlasting gospel, is Revelation 14. Because um, by definition, everlasting is different than eternal. Correct. Everlasting means it has no end. Well, so I believe that I'm thinking now that Revelation that <clears throat> forgive me Matthew 24 what is it verse 14 yes is fulfilled in Revelation 14 verse six verse six having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people and you notice what is said in verse seven it's defined what this is right yeah fear God. And give glory to him. I'm, I'm reading this. I'm sorry. Do Did it. Did you want me to? Okay. Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. This well, you, is what the angel is preaching. Right. And it's called the everlasting gospel. And you notice it's not the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Yeah. Which I believe, that's why it's called the everlasting gospel, because the kingdom is everlasting. He's told, I mean, is that not the throne of David? Your throne will be everlasting um, in the fulfillment of the Lord Jesus Christ as King of the Jews. So that is the everlasting gospel. That's why I always thought they were the same thing. I didn't right, realize. Right, right. No, I was, it just seemed to be, the reason I thought they were different is verse 7, the message seemed to me different than mm. the repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Um. Is that the same as the hour of his judgment has come? Would that be the same as the kingdom of heaven well, being Well, the kingdom at hand? of heaven can't come without the without Christ coming. Yeah. So in, in judgment because that's what the all the prophets have pointed to. Yes. Chad, but you're in silent deep thought. All of a sudden. Well, I <laughs> yeah. just think I'm I mean, looking at Chad, he's in deep thought. See, right, right now well, he's taking the Chad Colburn pose, which my sons, okay. My son uh Oh, Brother we, have, Chad, we have pictorial evidence. Brother of this. Chad is um, both Josh and I. Our sons play basketball, and Brother Chad is the coach. And so my sons say, "You know, you have one of those folks where there's like eight pictures: happy, sad, glad. You know, yeah. and it's yeah. all the same picture. Yeah. Well, when when Chad is doing something very serious, he stands there and he he kind of uh, plays with his beard." His on uh, his chin yeah. specifically, and so my sons talk about that when he's coaching. You know, whether like we don't know we don't know if he's pleased with us, or right. we don't know what's so going on. Whether we're on. down by twenty or up by twenty, he's just standing there, just kind of uh, caressing his beard. Right. Uh -huh. So that's what <laughs> I'm going to tell you what's going on. So okay. that's what Chad is doing right I'm now. As we're talking. Although right now he's thinking no. about killing us. No. No. <laughs> no, no, no. In those so moments, he's thinking deeply right now. Yes. Well, I'm looking at verse eight. Verse eight. Okay, there follows another angel saying. Babylon is fallen. fallen. Okay, what's Babylon? I mean, is that not is that not Satan's kingdom? Hmm. I mean, the the Tower of Babel. You know, however you want to describe or name the kingdom of the prince of the power of the air. When in verse seven there is a herald 
of the everlasting gospel is followed by a declaration that Babylon is fallen. And so I'm just wondering if if there's a connection there. You have in verse 9, you have the third angel. This is where in Revelation 14, there is the image. You know, if any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. So Mm -hmm. like the identifying mark of that kingdom. I was just wondering if in verse 7 and verse 8, the connection is the kingdom of heaven is at hand and Babylon is fallen. That's what I was thinking. uh, Well, I think there's worship. Verse 7 is telling you who to worship. Right. Verse 8 is telling you historically who man has worshipped. Yep. And then present, verse 9, it specifically says worship. So it's about worship. Um, You've got... But it's a, a worship between two kingdoms. You've got past, present, and future here. Yeah. You've you've got verse 7, whom you should worship. Verse 8, whom man has historically worshipped. The Bible says, drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And then verse number 9 is telling you, you know, who man is currently worshipping. He's worshipping the beast at this time. So um, setting up himself... You know, the Antichrist has set up himself as the object of worship. Right. And as is, what? As God. Right. Second yeah. Thessalonians 2. And then, but you've got, okay, you need to worship the God of heaven. And see, um, verse number 9 talks about the mark. Well, that's the teachings of Christ as well, the Sermon on the Mount. I think Brother Josh mentioned the Sermon on the Mount is instruction for the nation of Israel. That's where it says, hey, it's better for you to pluck your eye out or to cut your hand off and enter maimed into In, the kingdom Into of the kingdom. Right. It's better for you. I believe that's a direct reference to the mark of the beast. Hmm. Is the God isn't just telling you to mutilate yourself for no reason. It's saying, hey, it's better, you know, the mark is either on the wrist or the forehead. The so Bible is says, that preemptive or post? This is interesting. This is like, okay... We're going off into what? another. No, no. Okay. Is he preemptively saying? I think it's preemptive. Yeah. That once you receive the mark, right. You, so what's he saying? Listen. Okay. If you have to if, receive a mark on your hand, it's better for you lop to lop it hand off. off. Right. Because mm. you can't get a mark in your hand that's not there. You know, somebody somebody um, told me one time. I mentioned Hebrews and James. Um, Matthew would be a good because that's written to the Jew as well. We can't do that because we're, it's hard to think this way, but um, study those books as a Jew going through the tribulation. Oh, you know what sure. I mean? Yeah. Because a Jew's not going to read Galatians. It's not written to them. Not, not, a, not an Old Testament Jew. Yes. Okay. So the church is raptured out. We're gone. It's the tribulation. And here comes witnesses. And we're to receive, and I say we, let's, let's pretend we're the Jews. We're going to grab the scriptures, and we're going to go to a book in scripture that's called Hebrews. We're going to go to a book of scripture that says to the 12 tribes. Um, you read those as a Jew going through the tribulation. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, has a great more, great more. That was good, Josh. Has has a has a much more significant 
um, applicable approach if I'm going through the tribulation. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, that's why Matthew 24 makes better sense. You know, well, every time there's an earthquake, I heard my whole life, if there was an earthquake in California, I heard a message on earthquakes in diverse places. Amen. We're living in the last days. Okay. That's during the tribulation of Matthew 24. And so if we're talking about earthquakes in diverse places, well, then we miss the rapture. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, I guess I just wanted to make sure that a help in understanding those passages and those parts of Scripture, read them as a Jew going through the tribulation, cutting off your hand, maimed, entering into the kingdom. Makes sense when there's a mark going around. Well, for those that preach that way, don't they realize that they've been in the last time since this is 1 John 2.18, little children, it is the last time. Yeah. <laughs> and as ye have heard, the Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. So if you're thinking, we live in the last time. They did in John's day. Well, let's have so. some fun. A day with the Lord is as a thousand years. It's been two days since the church started. Yeah, it's okay. You know, well, it's always the last time. It's been two days. Hasn't been that long. So, um, sorry. Well, no, and, and, and were it not for Israel's final rejection, right? I mean, however, when at the, again, at the preaching of Stephen, he sees the Son of Man standing. Right, and if and he's standing, why would he be standing? Well, I believe he's standing because Israel could have repented at the preaching of Stephen. Could and Christ have. would have come. He would have come. Go study. So guess what? Every they time, are in the last time. Every time. But every time, God stands. Psalm eighty-two. God standeth. First two words. Every time you find God standing, you're going to find the kingdom. It could be all the way back to 1 Samuel 3 when he called Samuel. The first three times, Samuel, Samuel, he runs to Eli. But the fourth time, the Bible specifically says the Lord came and stood. That word is not used in the first three times. Uh, because Samuel, the last judge, because that's a transition time, because what does Samuel do? He anoints David. And Jesus is called the son of David, blind Bartimaeus. He calls out to Jesus. What does he call him? Thou son of David, Luke 18, Luke 8, one of those two. He says, thou son of David, the Bible specifically says, and Jesus stood. Now, why is he standing? Because he was called the son of David, which is a reference not to his deity, not to his humanity, but to his monarchy. You know, he is king. So every time, and Jesus is standing in Acts 7. He's standing for a reason. And I believe that's a, you're going to find kingdom teaching every time he stands. The the bull, the bull malarkey teaching for Acts that passage would be well. He's just standing. He's to giving a, him a standing ovation. Stephen, way like, to go, Stephen! Yeah. You're going to die for me. Woo! Big word. <laughs> but you notice, out of boy, Steve. But you also notice he's the son of man, yes. not the son of God. Yes, the son of man, because and. You know, they. You know, there's so much emphasis is put on whether he's sitting or standing. But also, what did, what did? Uh, there are three men who saw Christ after his ascension, not after his resurrection. After his ascension, there have been three. 
Stephen, Paul, and John. Paul and John, what they saw was completely different than what Stephen Stephen saw. saw. It is because Israel must accept him as the son of man. They must. John says, but John says in John uh, Revelation 1, in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the son of man, clothed with garment down to his foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. So I just think, you know. When is that? Where is that? Revelation 1. Yeah, what's interesting is that in Revelation 1, I believe Jesus is view, in view as the Prince of Kings. Yes. And then later, he will be revealed as the King of Kings hmm. at his revelation. Interesting, huh? I believe it's in John 1. i got to find it now. Yeah. Because even before he is... How do we get on this subject? Where's the gospel? I don't know. <laughs> in Revelation 1, verse like 5, I think it is, he is called the Prince of the Kings of the Earth. In John 1, 5. Yes, there it is. Yeah, I, I couldn't find it. But yeah, prince it of is. the kings of the earth, meaning he is going to inherit. Mm-hmm. A prince is the one who's going to, he's the heir. That's what, the the, by definition, that's what a prince is. Right. Yeah. He's, he's, he's going to inherit all the kingdoms of the earth. They're all going to be his. Um, well, should we wrap up? I don't know how that has to I do know with we, the gospel. But. I know. <laughs> I mean, we can peg it. We can peg two specific Gospels. Right. Mm. The gospel of I mean, the kingdom of heaven. We could debate whether the everlasting gospel is different, although that verse in tw- Matthew 24, 14 is very compelling. It's intense, this gospel. Right. Yeah. This gospel. But yeah. to show that at least there's more than one. There's yes. definitely two. Yes. And just like there are more than one baptism. And one is for us and one is not for us. Correct. the gospel. Right. Because you would have to say this gospel of the kingdom it's not for the church. No. It isn't. Because in... How... Oh, do we have time? Yeah. Matthew 24. Go go to it. Matthew I'm, 24. I'm going to it. We it's, will submit to your... Yeah. yeah you, Whatever you tell me to do, Josh, I'll you, do that. You Dang. need to. Go to Matthew 24. I'm going. Matthew 24. This is our verse we keep referencing. Verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world. He tells you what that gospel is in verse 13. Right. But he end. that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. That's the overcoming that you referenced in another passage. Okay, can I add to that? Okay. Well, just for once. You made... Yeah. All right. You're unto supposed to be the, listening to me. Unto the end, a person could argue, well, that's until you know your end of your life. Well, verse 14 defines right. for you what the end is. Yeah. And then shall the end come. This is... We are not, our salvation is not based on our endurance. So jumping into Matthew 24 and grabbing verse 14, because how many times have we heard, well, the rapture can't happen, or we're not called out yet till the gospel is all over the world. That's the gospel of the kingdom that goes into all the world. That's the everlasting gospel that the angel preaches during the tribulation, because we're told, not we, rather, the person is told to endure unto the end. The end of what? Not the end of their life, because according to Matthew 24, this is a, a tribulational passage. If it's till the end of their life, then Solomon's in hell. That's right. Because he did not endure, he did not to, endure, the endure to the end. No. So I guess for me, I, I, I get frustrated when the lines are blurred between Israel and the church. So the gospel... The endure unto the end gospel. Contrast that with what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2. 
He says, It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. So context there is kingdom rewards. Mm-hmm. Okay, Is that talking about denial of salvation? I think it's denial of rewards That's because right. verse 13 says, if we believe not. That doesn't sound like enduring. No. But the Bible says, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. So if, you're, if you are born again, you're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, you're not your own, you're bought with a price. Even if there comes, you come to a place where you believe not. You've lost yet, your endurance. Yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. What Why? The, what does it mean he can't deny himself? Well, you're part of his body. I know whom I have believed mm-hmm. and am persuaded that he is able to keep that. The Bible says we're sealed unto the day of redemption. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, again, Matthew 24 is not about the church. And so, again, I guess our, our truth is tired of um, me talking about it, I think. But it's so it, – it has, it has enveloped the common Christian's mind, and they don't even know it where replacement theology has grabbed a hold of the Christian and they don't realize it. The church doesn't go th- the church goes through the tribulation and I can grab these verses. Well these are verses to Israel, not to the church. And um, there's no rapture in the Old Testament. Well that's why it's called a mystery. <laughs> you know? It wouldn't be there. Um, so if, if Christ is teaching the rapture right here, then Paul didn't reveal anything. Exactly. Right. It defeats the doctrine of the mystery. That's right. Paul said, behold, I show you a mystery, mystery. in 1 Corinthians 15. So if, if Jesus is talking specifically about the rapture here, then Paul didn't reveal a thing. So you see my point, mm-hmm. is that covenant theology or replacement theology has really infiltrated into the believer. And they don't even... I mean, there are average Joe that was Israel, the church, oh, no... But then you start going through passages, and you don't even realize that most people will still put the church in places it doesn't belong. I was the pearl of great price. That's right. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. And, and vice versa. They'll right. put Israel where it doesn't belong. So um, anyway, everybody keeps looking at me when I keep ranting, and I need You're to stop. You're doing a good job. <laughs> yeah, I need to stop ranting. Well, our purpose today was to at least show that the Bible does teach at least one other gospel. However, again, we want to leave with this distinction that for this age in which we live, there is but one gospel. That's right. And that is clear. That's Galatians chapter number one. But again, if we cannot see divisions in the scripture and that there are different ages, then we are going to cause much confusion in our understanding of the scriptures. So what we are saying is the other gospel that we've shown, this gospel of the kingdom, that is not for this age. That is not for this age. Um, That is for the age that was for the nation of Israel, and quite frankly, the age to come. The age to come. But not the age in which we live today. So the age in which we live today, uh, there is Paul's, he calls it my gospel. Mm. That is the same gospel that you and I preach, defined in 1 Corinthians Chapter number 15. Any last remarks before we wrap it up? (laughs) I mean, I I can give you more, but I think we're we're good. (laughs) Well, 
if if you have any questions, we can leave Josh's phone number yeah. and he can answer any questions that you have. Uh, he prefers, five, five, five. <laughs> he prefers calls between 11 p.m. and 4 a.m. So yeah. uh, make sure. <laughs> Call me at five, 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 five. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I wonder if anyone will actually try. <laughs> <laughs> well, God bless you. We will be seeing you once again. We look forward to another episode coming to you from Backwoods Theology.